It's Friday, December 9th, and today on Texas Rangers with the boys, we're talking all things Goldilocks. We're going from juiced balls to dead balls to somewhere in between, and those are called Goldilocks. We're going to get in it today. We're going to talk about a couple other scandals that Major League Baseball's had over the past and how that uh, kind of correlates to what's going on right now. Join us today on Texas Rangers with the boys. Welcome back to Texas Rangers with the boys. We are the boys. My name is Kevin Frazier, a.k.a. YBK, your boy Kev. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin Lee Frazier. Joining me today, my co-host, the man with the beard that has its own area code and with a hunger and appetite that is literally insatiable, the 300-pound manimal, a.k.a. Bull. Bull, how you doing today and where can they find you on socials? I'm good. Today is the last day of this fast that I've been on. I'm uh, I'm so looking forward to this evening whenever mm. I will be having my first meal mm. in five days. I am uh, oh. I am excited about that. I'm also excited mm. to be here to talk baseball today because it's Friday. I don't have no work this weekend because, ah. you know, it's getting close to Christmas. Why would I take wrestling bookings in December? Ah. Good question. I don't want to travel outside of Texas in, in, in December. It sounds awful. It could be snow awful. or I don't oh. want to do any of that. I'd rather just sit oh. here at the house. And you know what I will oh. be doing. I will be, right, uh, right, right. I will be spending time with my friend. But yes. that's no, yes. that's no, that's neither here nor there. We're not talking we about digress. that. We're talking about our social media. And you can find oh. me at Manimal Bull on Twitter, at Manimal 300 on the Instagram. Yeah, I forgot to work on TikTok yesterday. So oh, that's not oh. go, that didn't get very far. And uh, you know how it is. Oh. If, oh. if you're one of those people that do not understand the Twitter, do not understand why people go ahead and put their pictures out there on the line. I have a on Facebook the web, page. Yes, on the line. Bull Pro. You can find oh, me there. Oh, oh. And uh, don't forget about the 300-pound Manimal page. Go give that okay. a like. You can, yeah. uh, you can follow me in my journeys. Next weekend, I will be at Albuquerque. So, oh. so uh, um, I, do have, I do have one show left before the... Uh, the end of the year. It will be an Albuquerque for our good friend, Mosh Pit Mike. Oh, good old Moshy, man. What a great guy. So, you know, we're pretty, we're kind of, I, I think right now I'm as excited about this show. Maybe not as excited as about the Jeff DeGrom. No, I'm not as excited as I was for the Jeff uh, DeGrom show. Jake but DeGrom. I am Jake. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, Jake, you know, uh, the DeGrom guy show. Um, I'm going to give you it's early in the morning. It's okay. It's okay. So I'm pretty pumped about it um, because we're going to talk today about a couple of different subjects, but a main, the main subject is the Goldilocks ball, the juiced ball, the dead ball, and the differences in those things. And if we have time, we're going to talk about maybe how these kind of things have always been a part of Major League Baseball as far back as the, the early the early 1900s. Probably as far 1800s, back as Babe Ruth. yeah, probably yeah, as late yeah. as, I mean, uh, 
you know, 1884 Providence Grays, their starting pitcher was arrested in the middle of the season for for battery in a in a ballpark. So, you know, it goes back way. It goes way back. It, go, it goes back. But but we'll get into that later. What we're going to talk about today in, in our our uh, our research analysis, uh, the leader and head of our R&D department here at Texas Rangers with the boys uh, is actually our co-host um, Bull. He is a he is our R&D specialist. Uh, forensic, um, you know, a uh, layman forensic, uh, forensic data as it relates to all that. Yeah, I'm trying here. I don't know if I'm getting anywhere. None of it, that but... is true. None of that is true. <laughs> I'm, I am just a dude that watches baseball. I am none so... of those things that he said right there. I am just a guy that's reading articles about baseballs. Nothing more so... than that. I, I am not on the same level as as the doctors and physicists um, that put this together. That is, uh, I will never try and say that uh, I am on the same level as Dr. Meredith Willis and uh, Bradford William Davis. I, I'm not going to say that at all. Those are the people that are the the, the physicists, the insiders that have done this work, not me. I am just simply reading to you what they have they have diagnosed in their findings. Nothing. Okay. This is this is nothing uh, related to my genius. My genius maybe, is solely in psychology for wrestling. Maybe maybe there is a little embellishment there, uh, just a little. But you did your research. You found some data on the Goldilocks ball, the juiced ball, and the dead ball. What I was hoping we could do is just give us a little bit of what you found and then let us, as we, as only we as fans can do, speculate as to maybe what we think the outcomes have been of, of this fascinating uh, subject. Well, the first, I think that the first thing is that the pitchers called it out uh, in the, in the COVID shortened and uh, the, the last year with the balls with most, teams starting the seasons with no fans in the stands or very limited fans in the stands. But it, it seemed like um, Mets pitching, Justin Verlander was another guy that was calling it out. Um, there, there was a, a lot of the pitchers were the first ones that really um, called this out. And I think there were a lot of people that uh, assumed that the pitchers were just kind of on that, I don't like giving up home runs and I'm giving up home runs mess, but as we kind of learned that, you know, I mean, in 2021, there were some balls that were 2.5 grams heavier than others. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big difference when you're talking about um, exit velos and spin rates and all of those things. I mean, because from a physics point of view, I mean, the, the, heavier a baseball is the the farther it's going to travel at a higher rate and and the spins are, are, are the same so it goes back to you know 2020 2021 when these guys started kind of calling it out as pitchers and you know i mean a lot of those guys would uh describe the the dead balls as as somewhat you know i don't know what the i can't remember the words they would use but the you know like almost like it, it didn't feel right, you know? So uh, as we got into 2022, I guess um, 
Dr. Meredith Willis got involved, who is a, a, a an astrophysicist. So Jesus. I mean, when she gets, a, I mean, if we've got astrophysicists involved in baseball, you know, I mean, there's got to be something different. And then by uh, after reading the article, um, I, I saw that they used they analyzed game balls from 22 different parks, and Willis's okay. new research found lighter dead balls heavier juice balls and so-called Goldilocks balls, baseballs whose weight fell in the middle of the spectrum. So like the juice balls were a gram heavier. The dead balls were a gram and a half lighter. And these Goldilocks balls were in the middle of that. So they were somewhere between the dead ball and the, and the, or the, and the juice ball. And they were quite a bit, they were quite a bit lighter than the juice balls, but still a little bit heavier than the dead ones. So um, the heavier balls, you know, they should travel further when met with equal force. And, um, you know, I think the reason that this is an, a deal is not so much because they're using the juice balls, but because Manfred came out in front of the 2022 season and said that Major League Baseball would only use the dead balls in 2022, which turned out to be a lie because we're finding that there were three different kind of baseballs that were used in 2022. And then whenever you start looking at it and you start seeing that the balls that were used in, in the, uh, in at the different times, a lot of those balls seem to be found in Yankees games where we're using a juice ball or a commemorative ball or a Goldilocks ball in situations a lot in August, September, and October for Yankees games. In October, there were more juice balls used in Yankees games than there were in all of May, April and May. So let me ask you so this. Paul. I think what basically happened was in April, they, they were using the, the dead ball in April and they weren't having any home runs. They were, I mean, you saw it earlier this year. I mean, I watched, I, I watched Corey Seager hit balls that should have went 400 feet that were getting yeah. tracked down, you know, at the warning track. So I'm yeah, not, you said I'm not it saying that it's true, but, but I've been saying this all year that, that I saw guys like Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia hit piss missiles that were that were tracking in front of the warning track. And that's just, I mean, so I knew that there was something going on, but I just assumed that everybody was playing with the dead ball. And then to find well, okay. out that, so, you know, that... Uh... Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, and then to kind of find out that... that... <laughs> Yeah, you got you got you got the floor, brother. Okay, so then to find out that the regular season games, that the balls were with the special commemorative stamps, were a lot of Rangers fiftieth anniversary balls. That was another thing that I was kind of shocked on because because early in the season they weren't hitting the ball at all. So apparently those commemorative stamp balls came in with a, a little bit more with a little bit more weight than the, the balls that they were using earlier in the year. Mm. And, so and I think, it, and it kind of I seems think, like uh, the all-star game was the, the, like the, the set off, like when they, about the all-star game is when they started using different balls. Interesting. So 
I think for me, the most, the, obviously the most nefarious element of it is the lying, like the straight, the straight up lying off the bat, like from, from Manfred. But then also like, there was a pretty important, important milestone that happened uh, around the New York Yankees this year. Um, and that was Aaron Judge breaking the American League home run record. And now to find that those games were games that the majority of these Goldilocks baseballs were being used. Um, I mean, I, I mean, do I need to say anything else? Is that pretty blatantly obvious what, what we're I looking at? I feel like here? that, I mean, there was an objective at hand with using those balls. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to blame Aaron Judge. He had no, I don't think he had any idea that he was getting different baseballs. Right, right. I don't think I mean, that he knew that he was, you know, I mean, I don't think he knew that he was getting different baseballs. I, I, he was just hitting the ball that was thrown to him. So, I mean, I'm not going right. to, I'm not going to put anything on Aaron judge by, by any means, because I don't think that, that, I mean, I don't know that Aaron judge hit 62 home runs if he isn't hitting nothing but commemorative and Goldilocks balls all the way down the stretch. But at the same time, I can't say that for certain either because he had a hell of a season. No, he, he I mean, had a great season. There's absolutely no doubt that, I mean, even if they did use Goldilocks balls and all of that, I mean, I'll, I'll, sit, I'll stay with it just like I stay with Barry Bonds on him, his record being as legit as anybody else's is because you still have to hit that baseball. And again, you know, like we've always talked about um, how hard it is to just make contact with a, a baseball that's going 94 to 96 miles an hour, let alone, you know, hitting one that basically turns to mush when you hit it, you know? So, right. I mean, I, I imagine he had his fair share of mush balls that he hit, but I think that uh, he got more of these commemorative balls, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that changes anything on what he did. I mean, well, I think it, it really makes baseball look bad, not him. Right. And, and my thing is, is that everybody, you know, it's not like Aaron Judge was the only one getting these balls. I think the issue is really more about the, the again, it, I, the word nefarious is probably the best word I can come up with. But it's just really like a very manipulative practice. It seems like it, it's like they had, like you said, an objective. And I wanted to kind of just say something that we were talking about off air too because we keep talking about runs and how far the ball goes and I think that that is an element that is part of what we're that's an L that's probably the biggest thing that we talked about but the thing that gets kind of lost in the shuffle here is and again I'm, I'm doing bootleg physics here I'm not a physicist but I do know like I did take a physics class I do know that like there are certain elements of physics that are pretty common sense and with baseball players with pitchers so when you throw, when a pitcher is throwing a ball, you know, the ball is in a constant state of deceleration as it's going to the, to the mound or going from the mound to the plate. So the ball is literally slowing down as it gets to the plate. And the pitchers who, who like the ball, say the ball leaves further, like a Randy Johnson or uh, the fire now that I was talking about off air, the, the closer guy for the Yankees. It's a free agent right now. Chapman. I can't remember his name. Chapman. Chapman. Rolls These guys Chapman. have – Right. These guys have crazy long arms. So the ball and later um, and closer to uh, the because they have longer arms, therefore helping them have faster fastballs because the ball has a less of a chance to decelerate 
as it's going towards the plate. So yeah, the ball back, gets on you faster. Right. And going back to these juice balls, okay, a juice ball has two benefits. Number one, it has the benefit that once contact is made, it's going further and coming out at a higher exit. That's why he drives to the to the fence at 115 miles an hour like the guy in, in Pittsburgh, but also it decelerates at a slower rate. A heavier ball will not will slow down slower out of the pitcher's hand. Therefore, it gets on the hitter faster, increasing velocity. So these high velocities that you're seeing from these pitchers could be partially a result of these juice balls because a heavier ball doesn't slow down. Now you go, okay, well, but what about the dead ball? Well, a lighter ball at a faster rate, like will have more movement on it. If you ever play wiffle ball, you know what I'm talking about. Like, the lighter balls would have more of a break in their breaking pitches. So, again, you can see that it could create a certain element of advantage for pitching that if you get a light ball, your breaking stuff is going to be crazy. But if you get one of the juice balls, your fastball is going to be blazing. So, again – Well, and I think also with the, with the, um, with the, t- the heavier ball, the spin rate is, it can go up too with that heavier ball because you're you're able to spin it a little bit more because you're not having to push as much with the with the with the ball. Like I, right. I think well, that that go ahead. Well and that cuts through no that cuts through the the being the spin rate helps it cut through okay so again it's something that keeps the ball from decelerating which is what makes a fastball actually faster. It sounds yes. kind of counterintuitive but it's not throwing harder it's it's it's, it's the ball its velocity is what gets what makes it hit that radar like hit the catcher's mitt at a faster rate so there there's what are we seeing also we've seen a lot more five or so years but we've all in strikeouts and contact has dropped major so again there's there's the other side of this where the effects that it has on the pitching um, and I think we're seeing that effect on the pitching and, and, and again, the, my, my thought is, is once a manipulator, and this is the reality, this is this there, someone who manipulates, no matter what set of rules you put on them, no matter how much you try to them to stop them from manipulating, if they're a manipulator, they're going to manipulate no matter what you do. And there's That's no amount of rules, right? There's no amount of rules you can put on them that they won't find a way around. And so, again, my thoughts are is that, you know, no matter what kind of – until this – the seed of this manipulation is dealt with in the game, you're not – no matter what happens, you're going to see this kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I think that, I mean, the, every every professional athlete, no matter how good they are at, at their sport or at their craft, are, are looking for a leg up to become – right. You know, I mean, the reason that guys like McGuire and Bonds and those dudes got into the steroids was because their testosterone levels were dropping because they were getting older. They were get, they were in their 30s now. Their testosterone levels weren't as high as they were in their low 20s. And they were looking for that advantage to get back to yep. where they were in their 20s. Now, at no time in Barry Bonds' whole career 
or, or the whole time that he was probably taking steroids, was his testosterone levels going to be higher than a guy that's 22 coming into the league? Even taking a large amount of steroids, his testosterone levels are never going to be higher than the guy that, that like Juan Soto, his testosterone levels at 23 are going to be higher than Barry Bonds on the gas at 37. It does, like, right. So it doesn't have anything. It's about the spike in the testosterone. You know, it's not about the actual testosterone. So guys that are running in in their early 20s, they should be, they should kind of have that same, you know, advantage. And they do because the younger guys, I mean, it's always been about you. You know, the well, younger yeah, but you also, get, but But also, too, like a younger guy sees an older guy taking that stuff. And their natural instinct is, well, hey, if he's doing it, I got to do it, too. And so yeah. now you're going to see you're, you're going to see it happening across the league. And the other thing I want to point out about Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and that whole era up until a certain point in Bonds career, that stuff was not illegal. And that's on baseball. That's not on the athletes. Athletes are like that, bro. Like, I don't I, I mean, we come from a background like this and we've we've been around a lot of high level athletes, high level competitors. And it's it's natural. So I can't I can't fault Justin Verlander for saying, okay, what kind of ball do I have tonight? Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's a light ball? All right, we got to throw – we got to go with breaking stuff. Oh, yeah, looks everything. like we got a heavy ball. All right, let's, we're gassing it up and we're throwing I'm, – I'm, I'm cranking up the, the – I'm airing out my because, 100 tonight, yeah. Right, because of the ball that you're holding, you're going to determine your strategy. And so anyway, – And if the pitcher it, it, doesn't know that, then the pitcher's yeah. got to find it out throughout the game. Because, I mean right. – I have to believe that I mean a guy that throws a bit that's been throwing a baseball every day of his life since he was, you know, six years old and now still does it at forty years old for his craft. I mean, he knows what a baseball should feel like. Right. He, right. I mean, no, in the in the seams, we haven't even talked about the the level whether the seams are raised or lowered. That affects a lot of how a breaking pitch, or really even how you can spin a fastball. So all that stuff matters. Absolutely. So, so I think we kind of, I think, I think we've kind of talked about it. I think, you know, I think just for the record, we're baseball fans anyway. Um, I, I think we both have kind of been around sports and entertainment enough that where we understand like the mindset of athletes. And, well, you know, and we it's also, part of, we're ahead. also, I mean, being in a, in a, in a, I don't know if you would call professional wrestling a sport, but being in an, uh, a, a genre of sport that has professional levels and different levels of professionalism and different levels of professional, we also know that the rules are not the same for the top guys that they are for the, yeah. for the guys on the bottom. You know, I mean, right. there, aren't, there aren't the same rules for, for some of these guys in the big leagues that there are for other guys. And, and, um, and most of those guys have earned those stripes. So it's not for me to say that, that they shouldn't be, but like at the same time, you know, like we're not to that point, like where we, we know that the rules aren't the same. I mean, like, like we learned very early on that in, in wrestling, the rules for the top guys in New York were not the same as the indie guys in Texas. Right. And so, but, but the kind of the moral of what I'm saying is, is that, and we're not like gonna, we're not gonna like passion on the game necessarily for it. We're just kind of saying like, you know, what in in professional wrestling, we're honest about what we do. To people know what we do, 
But I also think as like I think this the real responsibility of this falls more on the leadership, the the people making the rules, the people that are in charge of this for these athletes to play within that are safe, that are consistent. And really at the end of the day, you're affecting their pay grade with these things. And, you know, if you're to manipulate this way, I think it's just, again, it's, it's dishonest. It's good for the game. Um, and again, for us, you know, like I'm going to love baseball one way or another, but I would, I would, I kind of, it's more, I, I think we, we have more empathy for the athletes in this situation than we do for necessarily the owners or anything. Cause these are the people I believe propagating these things um, because they have, you know, obviously financial gain uh, when a guy breaks an American league home run record that draws more ratings, especially if he's on a team that, you know, the whole world watches more than any other team, but the Dallas Cowboys. So I think that, you know, you like that, but that, I think that's I where we landed. Yeah. But you kind of, we agree. I, do we agree kind of that that's kind of where we land that we're not trying to tear the game down. We're just talking baseball, and, and this is part of what's going on yeah. in the game right yeah, now. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want. I mean, I don't want anybody to come all away from this thinking that I'm going to be mad at the game of baseball just because they're using different baseballs. I have no, I have no, I have no dog in that fight. You know, like I don't. I'm, I'm going to watch baseball when it comes when April comes around. I'm going to be right there watching. You know, 162 yeah. games again this year, and or as many as I can. Let's let's be honest. I haven't I haven't watched right. 162. It's hard to watch the Rangers for 162 sometimes, or especially these last year. these last couple <laughs> of years. Actually, these last four years or so. Um, hey, 60 it has was hard. Been. 60 was hard. Uh, 60 was I, hard in 2020. Yeah, that was a tough. That one that one was tough. But I mean, you know, on on the other side, it also brought back. Uh, you know, rocker and Porter. So I'm not too upset about right. it either. Uh, so that's, that's another thing, you know, but like when, when it comes to Rangers baseball, I'm going to be right there. I'm going to, I'm going to watch every day. I'm going to, I'm going to root my team on and it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what kind of baseball they're using. I just would prefer it if, if Rob Manfred would stop lying to the people of baseball. I feel like yeah. there's a, there's a disconnect between Rob Manfred and the game of baseball. I, I can agree, and maybe even because he's trying that, to make a game, you know, he's trying to speed this game up. Whenever everybody knows the problem with the speed of the game, it's the fact yeah. that they need two and a half minutes between every half inning, every pitching change, every time the umpire makes a decision on a replay. They go, they they need those commercials. So if the, yeah. I mean, if they're not willing to cut back on those, then the game of baseball, they're going to just keep throwing things at the wall that are probably never going to speed it up. I think if anything is going to speed it up, it's the pitch clock. And if the pitch clock doesn't speed it up, then the game just is meant to be three hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I agree with that. So let's kind of segue into our last kind of our, our final kind of thing. And that, you know, baseball has always kind of had this kind of stuff anyway. I mean, you, you mentioned Barry Bonds, you mentioned Mark McGuire, and we could call that maybe the steroid era. Um, you know, we, you know, it goes all the way back to, the, I don't think they get to call it the steroid era because they're not willing to put those stars of the steroid era into the hall of fame. I don't think they get to call it that. <laughs> well, okay. Well, as, as a fan trying to de- designate some years, 
that but was yes. the era where that where that was the big uh the big the big controversy. I, you know uh, what I want them to do is I want them to the next time that they put Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens on and Mark McGuire and those guys on the uh, on the Hall of Fame committee, I want to make sure that they have Pudge Rodriguez and uh um Jeff Bagwell and right. all the guys that were in that era that were doing the same thing but didn't get right. the the level of um, criticism Scrutiny. that those guys yeah. did. Yeah, Beltray's another guy, David Ortiz. I want those guys all on the, the Hall of Fame committee because all the, like, Beltray's going to get in and Ortiz and those guys are in. They both failed steroid tests in, in 2003. So, right. I mean, at this point, those are the guys that I want on the Hall of Fame committee voting for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. And if they have the fucking, oh, excuse my language, if they have the audacity to, um, not vote for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, then I guess maybe the baseball game of baseball doesn't have the integrity that I thought it did. Okay, well, I. I but anyways, I agree. go back to your. No, I no, I, I no, I actually we agree on this. I, I feel the same way. But I mean, you can go back and you can go to you know we, we had the 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 gambling scandal with Pete Rose, which it tells you if he was gambling on baseball, guarantee you everybody else is gambling on baseball. He's just the one that got caught. I mean, you had the, the pitching era in the 60s, which, again, there's an element of conspiracy that goes around that because as we talked off air, you know, you can manipulate the, the pitcher's mound uh, up until uh, 1968 or that till around that time. Well, and, don't forget the Greenies era of the 70s. Okay, where people were taking uh, methamphetamines to play every yeah. day, yeah. Right, I mean, there's a eras. reason – well, there's a reason they develop methamphetamines for soldiers. So don't tell me it's not a, it's not something that gives you some form of, of athletic advantage. Um, exactly. You know, I mean, as long as you're not like a, a an addict that's doing, you know, shooting it into your veins, you know. Well, and and yeah, obviously not. And but you can keep going back in eras. You know, I, I the only era that I kind of haven't found any real controversy in, but I'm sure if I really dug enough, I'd find it. Would probably be the 40s and the 50s. Um, but as you go back to the 30s, you had the, the juice ball era of the 30s. And then obviously in the 20s, uh, you had the Babe Ruth, you know, the Babe Ruth thing with changing the stadium. There's no asterisks for that. Um, you know, just a lot of stuff. You know, the, the even the trade for Babe Ruth has a little bit of, uh, you know, a mafia flavor to it. Uh, the 1919 Black Sox who were, you know, through the World Series – Again, like baseball. Well, and then always in, been... in nineteen and nineteen oh four is when they implemented a pitching mound. They went from a pitching box, which was I want to say the pitching box was like forty seven feet away, and then they implemented a pitching mound, and you could uh, have your pitching mound in the between nineteen oh four and nineteen sixty eight. You could decide how big your pitching mound was. Like it could be anywhere from. 10 to 15 inches large. So like, like you were saying that like you could, you could manipulate that. And then the pitcher's box, I mean, you know, the pitcher's box was a thing that they had because, you know, you could, you could start anywhere. There were no box. There were no, you know, like hits, hit batters were just a ball, you know, like things like that were things have changed a lot over the course. And a lot of it is because of guys, trying to get advantage, take advantage of those, those, the rules that were in place. Guys or even teams 
and obviously even leadership within within the league. Um, but I will say one there's one there's one thing I didn't bring up because I feel like it would be a fun show if we ever don't have anything to talk about because I, I think it's the one it's a it's it because when I was a kid it stood out to me even before I knew anything about anything it, it always stood out to me and that was the 1987 Major League Baseball season and it just is such an anomaly because we don't know if it was forked bats we don't know if it was juice balls. I mean, if it was steroids, we would have seen it, like, carry on for – but 1980s, we're looking on the back of baseball card. You stood out no matter who I was looking at. If you saw the 1987, stood out on the back of the baseball card more than any other year. Wade Boggs never hit – in 1987, he hit 28. So, there's – it was one of those years that stands out, and, and I think – I think it's just something we never talk about. Baseball never mentions it. But I also think something happened that year. Mark McGuire, as a rookie, hits 49 home runs. George Bell never hit 30 home runs in his career. He hits 47. Andre Dawson never hit 30 homers in his career. He hit 49. And it seems like everybody and their dog hit 30. And yeah. it's like it's a yeah. real anomaly. And I think because could this have been – like the, this era that we're in now, does it even go as far back as then? As you know, this was this was they were testing these things back then. And speaking of testing, we can't negate the fact that this juice ball stuff that we've been talking about has affected the minor leagues as well. Because like, the minor leagues is where they try stuff out, and it really feels like they've been trying this stuff out at the minor league level. Um, and, and really zero uh, media coverage. Oh, yeah. Well, there won't be. There won't be. There, there never will. I mean, like, I think the minor league baseball is is the least probably paid attention to sport in America, besides maybe college baseball. Like, those are the two least oh. attended, yeah. uh, uh, paid attention to male sports in America that are, are, are big time, you know, professional athletes. Um, to get back to 1987 real quick, though, um, 1987 was one of those years also, though, where Whitey Herzog's run and gun, stealing bases, not hitting home runs team yeah. of the St. Louis Cardinals uh, went to the World Series against a, a Twins team who normally would have been a light-hitting Twins team, but <laughs> all those guys seem to have 30 home runs that year. So I don't know, yeah. you know. I mean, that, that was just one of those weird – I don't know if it, it didn't pick up because Whitey and his guys made it to the World Series running and gunning and, and getting on base and scoring runs, you know, manufacturing runs. I don't know if that's the case or not. I don't know exactly what happened. But, you know, I mean uh, – 1987 it definitely was one of those years that when you look back on it and you know I was I was five years old so that was like about the time where I started getting into like baseball and baseball cards and 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 being you know more than just a fan you know like I don't know if 87 would have been that time but that would have been when I first started like getting into baseball cards so you would read the backs of the the numbers and like you said you know McGuire hitting 47 as a rookie um, Conseco in his 45 and I mean these dudes just having huge numbers and I don't know if that was the 
the the beginning of the the juicing element in baseball or if that was just a a, a wound tight baseball yeah as far as or major as far as as far as minor leagues it would be more an anomaly if it just like happened on the west coast or if it just happened in elevated places but like you know like we were talking about the texas league it's just as high in our era is the the pacific coast league and i don't know if it's just you know like a lot of times i think what we've tried to pass it off as in the past is just the fact that the bats are about uh, ahead of the pitchers at that point yeah but mm-hmm. you know i mean I don't know. I really don't. I really don't know if that's, I mean, but I believe wholeheartedly that it's the testing ground. You know, I mean, a lot of these, right. a, a lot of the guys that I know that watch major, uh, minor league baseball on the regular, they, they really do believe that the pitch clock is going to help the major league game as well. And I hope it does. I mean, look, you know me, I'm all for two and a half hour baseball games. And I'm all yeah. for two hour baseball games. I'm yeah. all for a, a one nothing shutout or right. a one nothing ball ball game well but at the hey, end of the brother, day let's let's knock ahead, this ahead, off right we're going we're, we've gone on too long we have we have it's it's time to call it a day we're getting into pitch counts and rules i mean pitch clocks and rules and definitely another day but um a lot of fun just to this is you guys kind of got a little more of an insight into kind of the conversations that bull and i just have uh all the time you know just about baseball um, but just, you know, getting to talk about some stuff in the game that, that we really believe, how, you know, the outcomes of the game. And, and it's really something that, that I think is going to get talked about. Either, either it'll get talked about more or they'll just sweep it under the rug. Either way, it was fun talking, uh, talking about this stuff with you, buddy. And thank you guys for listening to the show. It was a pleasure to have anyone. Always a privilege, even if one person listens to us Babylon about baseball. Uh, Bull, you got anything to say to the people before we before we head out for the weekend? Um, no, we're gonna probably take the weekend off. There's the, um, you know, unless unless something happens where the Rangers maybe steal one of these pitchers from these teams that are kind of, uh, you know, above them right now on Singa and uh, Radone. We, um, but we'll probably even even still just talk about it on Monday. But, um, you know, we'll get into uh, some more Ranger talk on Monday and everybody have a good weekend and, uh, you know, maybe go out and catch us some football since uh, that thing's coming to a close too. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, everybody for tuning in. This is Texas Rangers with the boys signing out.